0: Welcome back to Chad and Steve have a podcast. Art M began the Gamer from Mars channel back in 2009, reviewing and discussing video games until he made a pretty epic pivot about five years ago that changed the course of his YouTube career. Today, he covers mostly YouTube and internet culture. The show gives viewers a well-researched, concise overview of current YouTube and internet topics, internet mysteries and even some YouTube drama, but without all the drama. And for those of us who have been on the platform as long as he has, The Gamer From Mars is also a great source of a little bit of YouTube and internet nostalgia. Please welcome Art to the show.
1: Thanks for having me. Let's go all the way back to the very beginning because you have a very interesting perspective as a YouTuber because not only were you consuming YouTube as a kid, you were creating. YouTube as a kid. So why don't we go all the way back to when you first discovered YouTube?
2: Sure. Um, so that was probably in 2005, 2006. I was a really little kid. Um, I think like I was watching before I went to school. I was watching to, the Today Show, and they were like, "Look at this new site, YouTube. They have like these like viral clips, and they were showing them. And it was like this clip got 200,000 views. And I'm like, and then I go and I look at it online, and it's like this is amazing." Uh, and it was just kind of part of my uh, daily intake at that point. Uh, I, I'd go on to like Flash Game websites, I'd go to like funnyjunk.com, uh, like some of the old school places, Neopets, and uh, just, it was like back in the day, it's interesting because like now, like I could just sit on YouTube nonstop, but like then it's like you had your list of websites and like each website had a very finite amount, finite amount of like material each day to consume. So it's like, okay, spend 10 minutes on this site, 10 minutes on this site, And then I wrap up the day, like, on Neopets, playing some games, trying to get some uh, currency to buy a new animal on there. Uh, (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so that that was how it started, uh, me watching YouTube. And then eventually, when I was, like, probably around the same time, I'm trying to kind of piece it together. When I was around 12, I got into uh, collecting old video games. Like, I'd go to yard sales And instead of, like, spending $60 on a brand new game, I'd go and I'd buy, like, a gigantic box of, like, Super Nintendo games for $20. Um, and I'd go home, I'd play them, and then I went online and I, like, looked up things about them and find out the history of them and, like, these games are terrible and other people's opinions. And, uh, I stumbled upon YouTube retro game reviewers where there was these guys with these, like, massive collection of games. And uh, the, the, the head of the retro gaming community was the angry video game nerd. Uh, and he had a legion of like rip-off channels that uh, like all kind of tr- tried to be him and reinvent what he did of reviewing old bad games. Uh, and I was one of them. I was 14 at the time in 2009 when I decided I wanted, wanted to review games. And my angle was like, I was going to be like a family-friendly version of the retro game Angry Reviewer. Uh, I started doing that. Yeah, and uh, I've just been doing YouTube ever since. I've never had a a real job. I just, uh, I started doing YouTube and... I, I just never stopped
0: that's amazing did you ever have a before YouTube did you have an idea of what you really wanted to do as a career or is this just something that's like as soon as YouTube hit you that this is it this is what I want to do um
2: so when I was probably I started YouTube when I was uh 14 when I was 13 or 12 or 13 I was I learned uh, PHP and HTML and was designing some websites for a couple local businesses. Didn't make much money at it, but like a couple mom and pop uh, pizza places, I designed their website. Uh, I actually got the one site like up as like the number one search result for pizza in my town. So I like I got okay at it, although I didn't make much money. Um, I learned how to like design very basic video games. Um, When I was buying these old games at yard sales, I would flip them on eBay sometimes and make some money that way. So, like, I was always, like, just kind of, like, really into the internet and figuring out an angle to, like, do something with it and learn it and take it a step beyond just browsing websites and actually being a part of it. But uh, then I did YouTube and it just clicked. It just, it made sense to me. Um, And I just kept on learning, and I just was like a sponge of new information. I learned new filmmaking techniques. I was watching channels like Film Riot and Indie Mogul, I remember, were like the two big ones back in the day. I'd like watch every single one of their videos. They'd explain how like when editing things, there's like these little tricks you're supposed to do. Um, You know, I learned new software, just learned new techniques, watched other people's stuff, and uh, just kept on learning and learning, trying new stuff. And uh, it's just like, you know, every couple of years, like I'd make a new type of video. I figure something new out and then I'd like kind of get up to that next level. Uh, and, you know, that's just brought me to where I'm at today.
1: It's interesting that like you put in work too. It's not like you just started with, you know, some gaming videos. You put in quite a bit of time into putting these gaming videos out. Uh, and obviously you learned a lot during that time. What, what did you start off using for your equipment?
2: Oh, well, actually, I have it right next to me. One sec. <laughs> look at this. Yeah, so uh, this was the first thing I bought. I, I I bought this myself. It was on Amazon. I think it was like 80 bucks. It was the Dazzle Capture Card Oh, device. I remember those. Yeah, uh, yeah. And it came with uh, Pinnacle Studios. Yep. Yeah. Yes. And I remember uh, that well. Yeah. So I remember back in the day, like even back then, like my content, if you look at that old content, it wasn't like great or anything. It was just a kid playing around. But, uh, you know, most kids back then when they wanted to make game reviews, they just like get out a crappy camera and like film their TV screen while giving some commentary. I'm like, no, if I'm doing this, I got to do it right. I'm going to get a capture card device, get actual, uh, you know, I mean, it wasn't HD at the time, but like actual recordings from the component cables, um, uh, write out a script with my thoughts, um, record it, edit all my lines together, um, edit the visuals to represent um, what I'm talking about and then uploading it. like I, I actually, right from the very start, um, had a level of you know of wanting to put out a quality product, I guess. and even though uh, you know it's it's taken me time to like really get to a point where uh, I, I guess where I'm happy with my work.
0: Well, you were pretty savvy for for a young guy there because I think what you were doing, was building the foundation for what you're doing now because you were actually making concise scripted content even back then so it wasn't just gameplay videos you were actually giving reviews in a nice short package
2: yeah yeah i, I think i saw my scripts like my early ones like i wrote them out by hand for a little bit and then i figured out no i have to learn how to type uh and uh i just I kept, like, I, like, it's weird because I don't even remember learning anything in school. Like, all the (laughs) skills I have, I just taught myself. (laughs) Like, I mean, like, in elementary school, they taught me how to read and write and stuff. But, like, in high school, I, I didn't do anything. I just went home and made YouTube videos and learned there. Like, to get out of work in school, I ended up, I mean, I kind of make this sound a little bit more callous than it actually was. But I went to vocational school for plumbing and heating. And uh, instead of to get out of actual real classes, and the teacher didn't even make us do anything. So I just like sat around playing my Nintendo DS in school all day long. And then I'd actually learn stuff and make content when I got home. And that's really where my education began, uh, I think. You hear that, kids? <laughs>
0: it's, it's so true, though.
2: Was uh, th- Did you
1: have anyone in your life uh, who was kind of doing the same thing? Did you have any friends at, oh, no. at school no. who were also running channels? Or was it a cool no. thing? Or were you actually kind of like a little bit of an outcast because it wasn't cool
2: at that time to have a YouTube channel? I think people were just mostly indifferent. Um, like, no one cared. Like, I, I don't even – there was no filmmaking or editing classes or anything like that. Um, I'm, I'm trying to even think like I remember the one time like they made even though I was in vocational school they made us take like co- like uh a math class and like some basic classes and like they had a programming class and I was like hey can I take that then they're like no you go to vocational school so you can't take that for your math so they made me so I'm like okay give me like this super basic like geometry class I don't even know what it was something like really just super easy um and like I asked To be put in a class where i'd learn something and they just said no to me so i just became really calloused of the school system and thought it was a waste of time and uh figured i could go on google and learn anything i need to you're just
0: a a little bit older than my son and i remember at the time right around that same period of time like it was like he was so into fred (laughs) that was the thing i mean because that was like the first really big youtube show and it was really for kids Um, you probably were maybe a little bit older than at that time to really be into Fred.
2: Um, Yeah I remember when I started YouTube like a little after I think he was the first one to hit a million subscribers and uh, I was more in the community of like Fred haters, of like yeah. despising the guy. <laughs> but you got to sit back
1: and respect him for what he was doing. Oh, looking yeah. back now, but like isn't it... it great how we look back at things like this? And so, <laughs> like know. we go through John Cena and we hate him, but then you look back at John Cena, and you're like John Cena is the best.
2: If they sold like a vintage like Fred T-shirt, I'd buy one and wear it in videos and stuff. Now, like I,
0: <laughs> my son used to have one of those Fred T-shirts. Yeah, I have nothing
2: but respect for the man <laughs> now for what he did. But yeah. looking back, it's uh,
0: yeah, we want to get him on the show.
2: Those are very obnoxious videos
0: yeah well they they're just grading but I think that's why the kids younger kids really liked them I think you probably transitioned out of Fred when you were probably 10 or 11 or so but man they just loved him I think because it drove their parents nuts (laughs) did you did you feel like you were establishing any kind of a a community back then with your uh, gaming videos I mean I'm sure it was pretty small at that point but YouTube did had some of those community features and friends and that sort of thing
2: Yeah, so um, in the first two years of YouTube I only gained around 500 subscribers. It was more of just like a learning experience for me trying to figure out how to make things work. Um, You know, just learning the basics essentially because I had no one to teach me. I was just learning myself as I went, trial and error. And uh, two years in, um, I ended up finding out uh, this video subject um, about this like old thing in an old Pokemon game called Lavender Town which is like this really weird area where there's like all these crazy things going on and there's all these like conspiracy theories about it. And I pieced it all together. I was going on like forum posts and stuff and I compiled it because um, no YouTuber really made a video about it before. And I put it out and it got over a million, uh, million views. I think it's at like 2.5 million now. It's like easily my most successful video of like before I changed over to internet culture related stuff. That one just like blew up. I remember uh, I posted it and my very limited subscriber base at the time was like this is really good because I took everything I learned in those first two years like panning and zooming on images transitions title cards intros and outros kind of building up tension like I did took everything I learned in those two years and I put into that video and it really paid off I remember I posted it on reddit Um, And I went to bed, and I woke up the next morning, and I gained 50 subscribers, and it just blew my mind. Uh, Because, like, I was getting one subscriber a day up to that (laughs) point. That's a big
0: jump, yeah. Yeah,
2: and then at that point, I kind of switched over to talking about, uh, you know, creepy stuff in video games. And that did me well for another couple years until I uh, switched over again to uh, the Internet culture stuff.
0: That's the history of your channel, isn't it? You're constantly um, changing it seems like always for the best, you're always making the right decisions there from, from somebody who looks through all of your videos, I could see the points where you've transitioned into uh, other topics. I think it was the, uh, your top 10 4chan pranks was like the first one that to me was where you pivoted when you hit that, because that one was super popular.
2: Yeah, that was definitely the one like, I feel like there's there's definitely these, like, ch- turning points in my channel. Lavender Town was one. Then um, Top 10 4chan pranks was definitely the other, where I made Lavender Town. It was an interesting subject. No YouTuber made a video about it. Back when I made Top 10 4chan pranks at the beginning of 2015, it's hard to believe no one talked about 4chan on YouTube before that. It wasn't a thing. And I'm, like, I'm reading all these crazy things about, like, you know, them them trolling mountain dew competitions (laughs) trolling taylor stuff i'm like this is like amazing material not a single youtuber has ever made a video about this stuff (laughs) and it's like i'm a gaming channel but i'm just gonna i'm gonna make this and i post it again and just like lavender town back in the day except to a bigger scale my audience is like dude this is amazing like these people came to me to to hear me talk about Pokemon conspiracy theories and I'm here posting about this random troll website and they're like, this, I never heard of this before, make more of these. <laughs> and then uh, over the next couple months I was like, well, you know, I post one of these, it gets 100,000 views, I post one of my uh, my gaming videos, it gets 30,000 while I'm going to switch over. So uh, I slowly changed over and then I think uh, in 2015, a couple months after 4chan pranks, I was like, well, I can make top 10 lists about YouTubers as well, and top five lists. And I made, uh, I started off with five dead YouTubers that will be missed, Mm -hmm. um, which I remember I was in a YouTube network at the time and uh, they were useless. Oh, yeah, Uh, horrible. But uh, like the guy never gave me any advice. But then this one time I came to him and I told him I was making a video about YouTubers that passed away. And he, I remember the wording, he said, Jesus Christ, do not make that video. Really? And I do it anyway, and the video got like 3 million views. <laughs> <laughs> what was he so afraid of? So people get weird about uh, like if you're discussing death on a channel and they feel you're like profiting off it, which is weird because like people don't get mad when CNN reports on a tragic tragic event and goes to a news break. But when a YouTuber talks about a tragic event and then has an ad break at the beginning of it, uh, you know, people just lose their mind. So I guess that was his mindset, but I just find it funny that like I was giving this YouTube network like a, a substantial cut of my revenue, yeah. and uh, the only time they gave me advice, it was like the worst the possible worst. advice they could give me.
0: <laughs> well, and you always, and this is kind of true with all of your videos, you approach them from almost a journalistic point of view. Uh, you don't get into this really salacious, even you know. Uh, YouTubers who have died and those things. You
1: you treat the subject with respect. And that must have been hard to do because I think it was around 2016 that the drama on YouTube really started stirring up with like Leafy and Great. And like that, yes. we started getting more channels like H3 and like the, the commentary and reaction to it. So like you said, yes, it was, it was very early on, but Part of it, I'm sure was, uh, I mean, this is a space where you can get views and attract new attention, but part of it was, it seems when you were putting the content out that there's also a nod to wanting to just uh, kind of document it and, and, and preserve some of that. Like like you said, no one was doing this. And one of the reasons why we started this podcast is we realized like no one was kind of sharing stories in the way that we talked about it whenever we got together. So now it it feels like it's almost like a duty to talk about these things and and whatnot. So when you're putting together a video,
2: uh, actually more so, what does that look like? What does how does how does a video process work for you? So it depends on the video and it's changed a lot over time. Um, For my Internet mystery series at this point, I have other people write the scripts for me. I don't write them Um, and I have other people edit the videos for me like it's just It's not like opinionated content, and it's just basically going and doing the research and putting together a script and editing it. So I just oversee the process. I've learned very quickly it's difficult to get decent writers. Mm. Uh, That's kind of where I'm struggling with right now because usually uh, if the writer's good, their channel blows up, and then they don't have time to write for me anymore because they're writing for their own channel, and I'm stuck with the people that, you know, (laughs) a lot of the times they're just struggling to get going and I'm basically the one kind of teaching them you know this is how you structure a video you can't just make something up you have to have a citation when you say something Uh, so I have to kind of double check people's work a lot now but uh, yeah so getting back on track uh, for those videos I basically oversee it I come up with the video idea I have somebody else write and edit it for me and then uh, I make the title and thumbnail myself I make all my own title and thumbnails because that's kind of where I'm I think I do my best work a lot of the time so I make sure to do that um, for my what happened to videos where I'm just kind of sitting in front of the camera uh, I would love to try to like outsource some of the editing work on that but it just doesn't make sense like it just it's, it ends up being faster if I just do it myself to edit those videos um, but nowadays like those videos are kinda of not getting as many views as the internet mysteries so I've kinda of slowly been stepping away from that series Um and then finally, my third type of content is I'm getting into long form videos. Uh, last year, I did two full length documentaries on the channel um, uh, The Bashiverse Conspiracy and The Legend of Twitch Place Pokemon, where I have like, geez, like two or three writers and like two or three editors sometimes on those things. So I have like 10 hours of documentary content, like I'm producing in the background, uh, where I'm just kind of taking my profits and then putting in putting it into these bigger videos and those ones I'm very hands on, but I also have people working on them just because it's, you know, making a 90 minute long documentary is, is quite the undertaking.
0: Well, they're very well researched everything you do on there and it's well presented in, in, I mean, like I said, in a non opinionated matter, which is good when you talk about subjects like that I'm interested in, especially, uh, kind of more of the, whatever happened to this YouTuber or, you know, that that kind of series d- brings back a lot of those, oh yeah, I remember that, I whatever did happen to that guy. And it's interesting to find out. it's interesting to find out that a lot of those people are still producing content. They just kind of, everybody kind of has that arc on YouTube, you know?
2: Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. Like, that's another genre that I kind of was the first one to really start doing. There's a lot of people doing it nowadays, but I remember when I started that series, like, it's weird because, like, one of the reasons I was doing it was because I was, like, looking at the mainstream media and how they were reporting on YouTube, and they'd take some, a person like uh, Tyler Oakley, and they'd be like, big YouTube star Tyler Oakley is, like, doing all this amazing stuff. And I look at his channel, I'm like, this guy's losing 30,000 subscribers a month. He gets 100,000 views per video. I'm more popular than, than this guy. Why is he getting an article mm-hmm. written about him in Variety magazine? It doesn't make any sense. So, like, my... My it was almost like a frustration that like they were falsely claiming people were pop that were po- they were falsely claiming people were popular that weren't and uh, a lot of my series was to break down look at this channel um you know the mainstream media may keep on trying to pump this person up but if you look at their numbers they're not actually you know they're not they're they're on the down they're on a downward trajectory uh, so that was like kind of a big point of those was just kind of uh, trying to educate the public about uh, the fact that just because someone has 10 million subscribers doesn't mean that they're actually doing that well uh, in other as- aspects of their business.
1: I, I think you did one on Epic Mealtime, who's a great example. It's a fantastic channel. I've been a huge fan and a subscriber of Epic Mealtime since it began. Um, but yeah, when when you kind of like keep doing the same recipe over and over again, you just lose that sweet spot and there's time to move on. And speaking about time to move on, do you have... An exit strategy for your channel? Do you think about your channel in that way? Is it still, um, is it still somewhere that Art can do what he wants, or it, does it now kind of have, um, does it? Are there more moving pieces to it?
2: I mean, I'm getting close to like being able to retire if I wanted to. Uh, it's just like one of these things. Like I don't want to retire. Like people yeah. talk about like that end game, and it's like, you know, I. I, I don't live a very fancy life, so that's the reason why I'm able to. I would be able to pull it off, but it's like, what am I gonna do? Just sit in my house, uh, go to the gym every day, like watch YouTube. You I just, <laughs> I, I do that anyway. <laughs> that's the thing. Now yeah, you can't <laughs> talk
1: about it on your channel
2: if you. <laughs> yeah. So like, I just uh, my at this at this point is just like uh, you know pump out the documentaries a bit more. Like, just make really um, more heavy hitting content because because for for the longest time I kind of got a little bit uh. Miserable making my videos because it felt like I was just doing the same thing over and over again of uh, regurgitating um, Other people's stuff so you know it it became like Groundhog's day of my life where it's like okay I go on to uh, the wiki. I pull up some articles I go to their Twitter and look at their Twitter history And I just kind of compile this together and spit out a 10-minute video about it repeat over and over again and uh, now It's, I'm at a point where it's like, I don't even care if I lose money on a project. I just want to put out something a bit more meaningful where I'm breaking the story, where I'm kind of uh, the one that's like giving out new material and have people in the comments saying like, this is the best video I've seen all year. Like that's kind of where I'm at right now. I want to release a video and have in the comments saying, this is the best video I've seen in in the longest time. Um, And I think I did a pretty good job with the last two documentaries I did but uh you know i'm just i'm working on a lot of different things just seeing if uh, i could bring things to the next level uh, on that front
0: it's a great position to be in to recognize your strengths and just know that i'm going to be putting out the best content i can and constantly being aware of what people enjoy seeing and just working with that it's funny when you were talking about how you were trying to get people to understand youtube from the outside and That's just so true with the mainstream media is just kind of hopelessly out of date (laughs) when it comes to YouTube. And, you know, hopefully they can start to see some of your content and see what's really going on on YouTube. I think that the 4chan pranks was a perfect example of that.
2: A funny point about that. um, I won't name the person, but I made a what happened to video on somebody and they got mad at me because a big part of the what happened to videos was like I was seeing a channel with 10 million subs. They only get 100,000 views, 75,000 views per video. Then they get a sponsorship from like Coca-Cola or Microsoft. And I'm like, why why can't I get these sponsorships? Why are they giving it to these guys? And uh, one of the people reached out to me because I made the video. And he's like, hey, man, I just lost a a Microsoft brand deal because somebody at Microsoft looked me up and saw your video about me. (laughs) And I just said like. And you, you pointed out the numbers that, like, I wasn't, like, popular anymore. And, like, I lost the spot because of it.
0: <laughs> a rea- like, reality check there,
2: huh? Because, I mean, the companies are just run by, like, kind of out of touch older people. Totally, and they don't know totally. better. So no. it's they have some guy at some marketing firm that got lucky and got this big contract with a Fortune 500 company. And they're like, oh, look at my friend here, Tyler Oakley. He has 10 million subscribers. Oh, 10 million. That's a lot of people. They don't. They don't understand that like just 10, 10 million subscribers doesn't mean ten million views on the video or the sponsorship. So I have the I don't know this for a fact, but I'm thinking um, a lot of these big companies have been swindled out of a lot of money by uh, you know giving out like ridiculous yeah. contracts uh, to YouTubers to make. Sponsor I think messages. the bubble
0: is gonna burst. I think eventually these marketing companies are gonna start to get a little bit more savvy about youtube and that it you know a channel with a lot of subscribers doesn't really mean anything that you've got to look and not just that but you got to look at where these ads are being placed on the video and how people are if they're just skipping over the ads if they're actually watching them there's a lot of things that i think they're not taking into consideration that eventually they might it's
1: almost to. like brands would have to start watching the actual content and <laughs> not worrying about things yeah. like
2: numbers <laughs> I think as long as like the internet just kind of becomes more of the standard and a new generation of CEOs of companies and higher executives like are a little bit more savvy to what YouTube is like kind of go up the ranks it will be it'll kind of even itself out over time um, but you know I remember you know back in 2009 every single youtuber they just wanted like a TV show or a movie deal or something like that and you um, it failed every single time essentially like maybe there's one or two examples but like you know these people would take their youtube fame get an agent in hollywood uh Go and, like, prematurely brag on their YouTube account about, like, hey, I just got a deal with Disney to make a show. Uh, Little do they know, unlike YouTube where you make it, you come up with an idea, the final product could be out in a week. Night, Like, 70% of the time in Hollywood, um, even if you get a contract or a deal set up, the project will probably fall through. It's just, like, just getting... Getting a contract or a, de- a, a, a a project a production deal with one of these big companies—that's only the first hurdle. Right. Then you have to make sure that like uh, you could get stars on board. Right. You okay. could get other people on board. Financing doesn't fall through. Um, the person who greenlit your pro- project doesn't get fired, and a new guy comes in and says, "No, I want to do things a different way," and then ends your deal. It's like uh, people don't consider that stuff, and I think. Uh, YouTube's underrated in that regard because if I come up with an idea in a month's time, it's it's out. Like I don't have anyone telling me what to do. I don't have anyone saying, oh, you have to go ahead to do this. I don't have anyone that owns my content. Uh, as long as I'm willing to put the money up myself, I, I can make it very quickly.
1: And I think there's a lot of people that think that that's the truth in that uh, the YouTube fame or, or the, the the recipe which works on YouTube is going to translate into a late night show a la Lily Singh or into a movie career a la Grace Helbig or any of the people who tried to jump from successful YouTube careers to try to get into movies or something else and it just sometimes doesn't... It, it, it's strange because you take away someone's platform and it's almost like now you just kind of have the shell of the person so you're just dragging Tyler Oakley in front of the cameras because he has 10 million subs as opposed to like here's the reason why he's here not just because he has a lot of subs
0: it could be so cringy when fred we were talking about fred he did a show on like nickelodeon or something and you can't take that short little bit he was doing on youtube and extend that into a 30 minute series it's just just painful
2: i think you're forgetting he didn't have one show. He had a Nickelodeon. He had three movies and two different That's TV right. shows. Yeah. yeah, he did. Remember that time? Smosh had like five
1: movies and two different television. Like that was when they gave Everything to everyone. I, in 2017, Melissa, my wife, got a book deal because it was in and around the time that all YouTubers that were doing well on the platform were also getting book deals. And you would walk through a bookstore and all of the new release books were sure. all their YouTuber books and cooking books and whatnot.
2: I don't know. YouTubers going mainstream, it just, I don't think it, it works very well most of the time. Usually when they go mainstream, it's for the wrong reasons.
0: It works if that if they're exceptional filmmakers and they kind of knew it from the beginning. Uh, Mystery Guitar Man transitioned into producing. I mean, he, it was really one of my favorite films. It was like two years ago, Arctic, he made, which is really fantastic. I think Freddie Wong also has transitioned into kind of mainstream movie making.
2: The thing with Mystery Guitar Man is if I listened to a podcast, I believe he was on a corridor digital's podcast and he explained the steps to get that movie made mm-hmm. and it's insane of like if any one of those steps went wrong he would not have had that film produced mm-hmm. and he would have had to quit and go back to making youtube or getting some job i think he got a job offer to work at youtube and if like if he didn't get this company to agree to fund it he didn't get uh the main star to uh, agree to do the script he didn't wasn't able to like, you know, get these like certain things like it was all these crazy coincidences that allowed him to make it happen. Um, You're you're so reliant on other people allowing you to make your dream happen. I know I sound like some BS motivational speaker now, (laughs) but that's why I like YouTube is you don't have to have other people's permission. It's a robot. It's an algorithm. If people click on your videos and watch them, you will get views. It's that simple. That's that's all it takes. If people click on your videos and they watch them all the way through, you will get more views.
1: It seems to resonate with the people who early, early on were really interested in search engine optimization while they were designing websites. Yes, absolutely. That that as a, like about my, that was my, when I first saw YouTube, I saw it. First as a search engine, and secondly as a video platform, and I realized that no one else is going to be able to do the video platform as well as YouTube unless they have the search capability, and that's what was it level. I think what what you're saying essentially is it levels the playing field because Will Smith can go on there and start his YouTube channel, but his uh, his content goes into the same algorithm. It's not like when a movie gets produced and I have to go against all of these things to make my movie get shown in a. Th- it's on the internet. So uh, I'm on YouTube. Will Smith is on YouTube. So we both have an equal chance. And then it comes down to things like, and you pointed this out earlier, thumbnail design and titles. So tell me, how much time do you spend and how many variations of a thumbnail do you make for 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 a video?
2: I could spend as much time making the thumbnail as it took for me to make the video. Yeah, like well, I mean to be fair, like I'm that includes like me. That's me overseeing the writing and editing process, so I've only put a couple hours into that. But I'll, uh, you know, sit there for till 2 o'clock in the morning. Like, I'll have the video done. It's uploaded on YouTube, ready to go. And I'm just sitting there, like, fidgeting the the, the, the text a little bit to the left, like, down to, like, the most precise, um, like, degree. Um, And sometimes it's like, you know what? you know i just I, I got no no good thumbnail for this so i put out a, like an okay thumbnail the video usually doesn't get as many views but sometimes man it just comes together and you post post something uh you get that title thumbnail combination where um you know everyone's focused on the thumbnail um but it's the title and the thumbnail go together right. they need to be a complete package one has to complement the other and vice versa and when you get that perfect combination and you post it and it has a high click-through rate there's no better feeling in the world
1: do you uh, do you ever use the default one have you, have you ever like picked out what you think your thumbnail is going to be and you upload the video and then one of the three selected by youtube's like oh that one's pretty good too didn't think about that one
2: um i have a format with like the style of text and the coloring so like i want to keep everything uniform so I, I never fiddle with that um i think there is like some merit in just having like a screenshot from the video if it's a really good screenshot Um, But I remember back in the day when I was small, um, YouTube didn't give everyone the right to do custom thumbnails. You had to be like uh, a YouTube partner. So unless like I was able to get in Machinima, which thank goodness Machinima never handed me a contract when I was small or I would have been screwed over for seven years, (laughs) Um, but like I wasn't with any network or anything at the time, it wasn't big enough. So I was reliant on, uh, you know, picking from those three uh, predetermined ones. And sometimes like I'd make a video And like the best thumbnail was a picture of like the the creator of Space Invaders, just a picture of this Asian guy at his desk. And it's like this is a terrible thumbnail, but I have no other choice. So like I had to make that the (laughs) thumbnail for my Space Invaders video. Uh, And like, yeah, looking back now, everyone says like, oh, so much easier to get on get started on YouTube back in the day. And uh, they just don't appreciate that there was different hurdles back then. Yeah. Um, and if it was so much easier, uh, like, why are none of those people left? There are very few people from 2009 that are still making videos, I would say 95% of them. they yeah. uh, they faded into obscurity. So yeah, it was may have been easier to get started on YouTube back then. But uh, just because you you made it back then didn't mean that you were going to stay long term.
0: It was much slower growth, too. You had to be willing yeah. to. You know, I remember when I finally hit a thousand subscribers, if I had been on the platform a couple of years at that point, you know, I mean, it, and I was thrilled at it. I couldn't believe it, but it definitely took a lot of time. You don't seem to put any uh, of the usual call to actions in your videos. You know, guys, make sure you like. I've
2: subscribe. never heard you
1: smash a like button ever.
2: Waste of time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, it's 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 uh it's one of these things where it's like oh hit that like button like audience engagement is only like five ten percent maybe of like you know what the algorithm chooses uh for like what what the algorithm factors in um so like the call to action being that is like it's so such a minuscule difference that i just i just find it annoying when other people do it so i don't do it myself i don't think it's worth worth it i'd rather like direct people to I don't direct people to do anything like I don't like I don't care if people subscribe to me because if you watch my videos, um the next time one of my videos shows up, it will pop up in your recommended feed if you're yeah. subscribed or you're not. So I genuinely don't care if you're subscribed to me. Yeah. As soon as I you really start don't.
0: getting into like the, the gamer from Mars thing, you started watching a couple of them. You're going to start to see more of that showing up yeah. whether you subscribed or not.
2: So that's the interesting thing. I, I I keep on going back to this, but I released my reverse conspiracy documentary. I like put so much work into this video. I I a couple thousand dollars into it of just hiring people to help me with it. Uh, demonetized instantly. I knew it was going to happen. So I just, I, on the surface, it looks like I just lost tons of money on this video. But what I didn't factor in, I was, I, I was accepting that I would lose money, but I didn't realize it at the time because I never made a video that long. Uh, it got... Over half a million views in the first 24 hours, um, people went and watched a 80-minute documentary in length, and then once YouTube saw that they watched 80 minutes of my channel on a single video, every single other one, every single other video that I've ever made was recommended to them. So, like every video across the board just saw a spike in viewership because you had a half million new people that like just watched an 80-minute long video on my channel. So. Uh, yeah, it's one of these things where um, I think you got to think outside the box with like, you know, getting viewership and retention rates and stuff like that. This idea that like you're going to harass your, your subscribers to click the, the notification bell. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I, I don't see the point in that because if they like your videos that much, um, they'll just do that on their own.
0: They know how to do it. People so. know how to subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah, think I've people... ever subscribed because a guy told me to. I don't think I've ever smashed a like button because a guy told me to. I just, you know, I understand how the how it works. <laughs> if I like a channel, I'll subscribe.
2: Yeah, that's, that's. I, I really, it, this is kind of like my, uh, this is a pet peeve of my, pet peeve of mine now is that now there's like these animations that pop up on the screen of like yeah. a, a subscribe button and like a little cursor clicking on it and clicking yeah, the bell yeah. and I'm like that's going to age this video so terribly if like, youtube changes how it works or like the subscription thing doesn't work like that anymore it's like
1: annotations but, <laughs> yeah let's talk about consistency for a minute because um when i discovered your channel uh i discovered the room that you lived in at the time and the door and the light switches <laughs> and i think you know, Um, and also I believe in your 10 year anniversary video at the end of that, you mentioned that you had purchased a new house and you were going to move into that. And I have seen videos since where it looks like the same background. However, it looks like some switches are missing and whatnot. So why don't you tell everyone who's wondering about
2: the background, what happened to the background? Okay. So it's the same background. I never, I, I still own that stupid house. I'm about to move into it. I, why do I call it a stupid house? I bought a house. I fixed it up, and just as I fixed it up, I was already kind of a little uneasy about moving out just because I felt I would become very isolated. I'm, I am run a YouTube channel by myself. I don't do anything. Uh, having, like, my family around me at least gave me some interaction. Um, but then, right as, like, it was, everything was finished up and it was ready to move in, corona hit. And then I realized, like, oh, shoot, this is going to isolate me even more. So I kind of just, like, said, you know, my parents don't mind if I'm around, so I just kind of stayed in my uh my bedroom at my parents house for a year following um but i'm about to move in now so uh i will be making the switch soon but i, I have had a couple comments like "Yo, whatever happened to you moving into your house it's just uh are
1: you uh, have you thought about recreating it in the new house or would that would that just be a little too
2: over the head i think it's a little bit and yeah i probably won't do that uh i i bought some furniture and stuff for like the set um I'll probably go for more like of a mid-century modern aesthetic for like my backdrop. Um, I bought some stuff like a couch to sit on. I haven't made up my mind completely, but yeah, in the next month or so I'll, I'll have that finished up.
0: Have you ever uh, produced a video that got you in some hot water with the people you were talking about or the, I, I noticed you made one for instance, on Sam and Nia family vlogger, and he actually, Left a comment, which was a pretty nice comment. It wasn't, you know, inflammatory or anything. But i was just wondering if you ever had any problems.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, that one. I think he thanked. Me. That, that's an old school. That was like five years ago. Geez. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm thinking about it. Um, I recall for that one, I was pretty favorable towards them because um, I remember there was all these like hit pieces about them saying that like they faked a miscarriage for attention. Right. Right. And it's like I see your point. And I see where you're coming from. And it might be true, but you need to be 100% certain before you go and you claim something like that. Like that's Even if there's a 1% chance that it's not true, you can't go out saying stuff like that. That's really messed up. Um, And I think that just kind of plays into journalists being out of control a lot of the time at some of these outlets. Um, So I kind of came to his defense um, in that regard. Um, So, yeah, I didn't get hate for that one. I, I remember for the longest time... I uh, I was getting all these people like saying, "Oh, you're a robot. You don't show any emotion in your video. You like, <laughs> you, you need to show some emotion." So you know, I shouldn't listen to people. But this one video, um, I made, and I said like, "Okay, I'm going to show some emotion in this video." And it was about uh, the change the channel controversy, where uh, all these like people were like angry at like this old website that they used to like post their videos at because they weren't treated well, but they they weren't employees. They were just kind of, it was like a WordPress website where they could upload their blip.tv embedded videos. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, so like they were embedding their blip.tv videos onto this site and they didn't get paid from the site, but they were allowed to just, you know, get some traction on there. So they came out like five years after this website died. Like no one uses this site anymore. This is just such like an old antiquated piece of internet history. And then they come out and they're complaining about this website and ending it. And um, I basically in the video say like, "This is so ridiculous! Like, all you guys are acting like we did it. We we canceled ch- uh, channelawesome.com." And I'm like, I, in the video, I'm like, "No one uses this website. This is completely pointless. <laughs> this is getting nowhere. Why are you acting like this is some sort of victory? This is like, this is just so so stupid." And uh, I show some uh, emotion in that video, and uh, it got like fifty percent. Uh, dislikes
0: really yeah yeah
2: so it it came down to uh because i yelled because i got some put a a little bit of emotion into it um that made people upset and then they all disliked the video if i just stayed level and calm like i usually do and i said that same exact information i don't think it would have gotten any dislikes because at the end of the day it doesn't matter if you're correct or your opinion is valid and not opinion if 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 your argument is sound if you say it in a way that upsets people, um, you'll get an emotional response. Um, because if someone's mad at you and they don't have a reason to be mad, they'll just make up stuff. That's what I've noticed. And they'll just assume the worst. Um, and I learned my lesson very quickly after that one that uh, I think it's better if I just kind of stay uh, more neutral and uh, level-headed in my delivery of information. Yeah.
1: Have you ever stopped a video during the research or the production process because it's just like, oh, no, this isn't going to work or it didn't work out for one reason or another?
2: Usually that happens pretty early on. Like, so sometimes I'll go into a video and say, like, okay, there's a story here. And I look into it and I'm like, yeah, this story isn't as good as I thought it was. And I'll back away. Um, Usually, if I'm like, I write the script and I like recorded it um, and then I figure out, like, oh, this isn't working, I'll just basically duct tape it together i'll just like take out a portion put something in kind of change my agenda like i'll just like completely change the moral of the story if i feel like i'm being too harsh against someone so instead of it being this guy is like no good i just change it as like i just change it to you know maybe you shouldn't handle things this way like I'll, i'll soften things um just as need be because that's the thing uh i think a lot of people don't appreciate is um I'll, I'll, it's very easy to cancel somebody that does live content does live streams on Twitch because they're recording themselves live un, un uh, just they're saying whatever they think for 8 hours a day uh, 5 days a week it's very easy to go through that and piece it together sure. and try to cancel them i'm have the benefit of writing a script rereading it recording it editing it watching it a final time making my title and thumbnail and uploading at any moment in that list of things i have to do i realize oh wait i i shouldn't have said this i could cut it out um right and uh so luckily because i have those extra steps um i never have to scrap anything completely i just kind of pivot and so it also sounds like you
1: probably don't need to be too mindful of your content catalog where like you know someone like Shane Dawson has all of this stuff in the background which kind of comes back to you're not worried about and sorry and in no way am I comparing your content to Shane Dawson. <laughs> no, it's all. Yeah, I it as an example of someone who's and, and I mean Jenna Marbles went through and, and like took a bunch of stuff which the context changes and we had Michael Buckley on uh and his what the buck show was years and years ago and he can't have those on because there's no context to what he was talking about. And there was a different time and all of the rest, um, probably not a concern for you because you have been so diligent for making sure that the content that you do put out there s- stands that test.
2: Yeah, it's it's interesting in that regard. I, I, I'm i very fortunate in that I never was making outrageous content. Like even from day one, I, I saw this guy, Angry Video Game Nerd, and, uh, you know, his videos were just so crude. And I was like, I'm going to make like a clean version of this. So from day one, I was always like, I'm not going to curse. I'm not going to say anything super inappropriate. Um, And I I started making videos that way. And uh, I just kind of, you know, turned into what I am now, where, you know, people say I'm unbiased, or I give like neutral opinions. Yeah. And sometimes I, I go out of my way to do that in videos. But other times I do give my opinions in videos.
0: Oh, yeah, um, usually I, towards the end of the video, I'll hear a little bit of a, opinion come out, certain ones. And I, I, it's usually, you usually have a positive message, even when you you approach current topics and, and even some of the youtube drama but without the drama because you're just kind of presenting it but you usually do kind of have a, a positive spin on whatever
2: yeah I, I i've been around the block so many times that like i the drama just kind of repeats itself it's like the same five stories over and over again just <laughs> do with you ever watch this
0: do you keep track of any of the the youtube drama channels you
2: know like oh yeah Star yeah. i'm talking to those guys i'm talking i was just talking to keemstar a few days ago really it's uh yeah it's uh he, man he just I understand why people, uh, you know, think he's so controversial, but I just have to look at him with, um, you know, some weird level of admiration for the fact that, like, he could get canceled, he could get in fights, he could, like, do all this stuff, and he just, like, comes back the next day, brushes himself off, and is back at it. Like, he just thrives off it. He thrives off of, um, you know, getting in fights with people online.
1: His consistency is is actually quite remarkable <laughs> that he can consistently take that same approach. And, and he really does seem to be a little Teflon-y in that way where like these things don't stick to him. Uh, however, he's a good example of someone who is like, hey, follow me here, follow me there, follow me everywhere. You've become very large on the YouTube platform. You also have a Twitter account, but it seems like that's the end of your social media story. Is that deliberate? Like, do you do you just kind of steer clear of all the other social media or do you kind of keep that private and you have all of that and that's just for family and your immediate friends?
2: Yeah, so I, I do have a private Instagram account. I don't even post anything on there even. I just like look at some pictures every once in a while of like family and friends. Um, My biggest thing is I like YouTube. YouTube's really the only platform I like because um, you make a video and ten years down, not, maybe, let's wait and see, five years down the road I have videos that still make me, you know, a couple hundred dollars a month, Um, whereas with these other platforms you post something and it's just so fleeting, you know, you, you have to just be on the grind every single day, so I like that fact about YouTube, so that's why I thrive on YouTube. Um, I would delete my Twitter account if it wasn't for the DMs. I just I use the direct messaging on there for like business and talking to people. So that's the only reason I'm even there. Um, but overall, I just uh, I have a level of uh, personal disdain for social media platforms, um, just because I just people act so terribly on there. Yeah, especially uh, tw- these,
0: Twitter uh, is so toxic. I, I oh, deleted my Twitter a few years ago, and I, I've never I, been happier. I want
2: to, I really do, but I I need it for work. I I absolutely need it because that's how you keep in touch with other YouTubers, at least on my end and the the space I'm in, yeah. um, and business dealings and stuff like that. But, you know, I'm on I'm on Twitter, and it's like there's these people that just like have the most absurd stances on things and i don't think these people are legitimate i think they're just blowing off steam yeah. um I, it's like there's these people that are just like full-out communists where they actually think like we should kill all the rich people and like <laughs> you know put in like some yeah. sort of like lenin-esque like government like state where like the people will run things and they actually like think this is going to happen and i'm like what do you have to benefit from this i, I see people they make outrageous Stances, and I just like—I wonder, like, there's no way you actually believe this is going to happen. You're just blowing off steam because you're angry.
0: Did you see the Social
2: Dilemma movie? Uh, I—my dad was watching it. it, it it, it seems a bit cringe.
0: Yeah, well, the the what they do is the social platforms. You know, they you're basically talking into an echo chamber because their algorithms are all formulated to get you other like-minded people who are you just kind of spouting off until that one other person comes in to say something that, you know, pisses off that group of people, and then it just it feeds off
2: of itself. It is what you make it though, because like on my YouTube feed, I have like. You know young turks videos and fox news videos showing up on my feed because i watch all of it it's like yeah uh, it, it's it is what you make of it the, the algorithm is just now, there youtube's a
0: little different youtube I okay works a little differently so i way. don't
2: i know with instagram uh you know i just see people scrolling that down that discovery feed for like two hours and it's like you get nothing from that uh same thing with reddit nowadays reddit used to have pages like i remember back in the day i'd go on reddit i'd look at the the first page of a subreddit and then I'd be done now it's just like as an endless scrolling feed it doesn't end and I don't use reddit anymore because um, it's just like it feels infinite now uh, that's that's one of those things that I kind of um, liked about the old days of the internet uh, you know as mentioned earlier in the video you would go to a website you'd see what was new and then you would leave the website Nowadays, it's just endless content.
0: One of the things I wanted to ask you about, I'm sure you get asked this a lot, but I actually kind of, I love that you just own the moniker gamer from Mars, <laughs> but at this point you, you don't do gaming videos. So it's its funny. Do you think about changing that? Or are you just like, I'm in it? I'm in Yeah, the I
2: gave up. Like I thought for a while of just changing it to Art M. Like I wouldn't give myself a new name. I would just use my actual name. Um, but at this point, yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm stuck with it. It never made any sense to begin with. It it didn't mean anything back then. It was just a name that I thought was cool when I was 14. (laughs) When
0: you're 14, yeah, it came right from Mars. And you seem to like to maintain the level of uh, privacy too. I think after being on the internet for so long and seeing some of the mistakes other people have made with privacy issues, I can understand that.
2: Well, that's the thing though, because I just see it as a logical thing of, if I share my personal life, does this make me more money does this actually make me more popular like or is this going to blow up on my face and people are going to use this against me and it's always option c it's always the more you tell people the more they have to use against you um and also since i i don't like get in fights with people um i've luckily never been doxed before um i i've tr- i dox my i've tried to go through the process of like doxing myself of saying can someone figure out who i am and like more information about me and they can if they if they were willing to put in the time and effort to do the searches and dig into it but um if you don't give a person to, a reason to do that they i find that they don't
1: you uh when what uh when did you pass a hundred thousand subscribers Do you remember the year
2: oh it's probably like uh five years in where do you keep yeah. your silver play button do i have it here um <laughs>
0: You probably have one of those old school ones.
2: Oh, I have the old school one that's like the actual frames box. Yeah, that's what I got um, <laughs> with
0: like the glass frame on it. Yeah. yeah, I
2: was like, I think, yeah, it already, like I ha- I passed 100,000 subscribers and then it came into effect and then I cashed in and got it then. Um, yeah, I don't have it hanging up anywhere. It's just, uh, it's in a box preserved, probably under my bed or something.
1: You're uh- you're few thousand away from a million so do you do you know where you might want to put your gold play button or we'll decide that when you get it
2: yeah we'll decide like subscriber total is just like such a meaning meaningless <laughs> metric to me you're worth as much as what your monthly view average currently is
0: yeah i wanted to ask you about uh, actually i wanted to thank you for the video you did probably not one of your most popular videos but i really liked it it was a recent one it was about london after midnight. It was kind of a lost movie and because I'm really into those things and I've known about London After Midnight for a long time and just the, the fact that you, that video touched on film restoration and how 90% of silent films are just gone. They're just gone and yeah it was really cool to see that.
2: It's uh it's very interesting like a There was another video i wanted to do but i'm not going to do it now because those lost media videos bombed yeah Um, but uh there was a silent film actress who was like a huge star of her day not a single one of her movies exist she's a movie star that is forgotten to time not a single one of her movies can be seen anywhere
0: interesting yeah i I love those kind of stories myself but you're right it's probably a small (laughs) it's a much smaller audience than you know talking about a youtuber
2: what uh, what YouTube channels do you watch now? With me currently, I usually just listen to things. So I work, and I just have YouTube on in the background. So if you go into my YouTube app, I'm listening. To, I I have play YouTube for like nine hours a day, but I'm not actually sitting there watching it. It's just constantly in the background, me listening to things. Um, for YouTubers, I actually watch um, Red Letter Media is probably one mm. that uh, I'll, I'll watch all their uploads. Game Donkey, I'm pretty good about watching that guy um, when he uploads.
0: And do you have much time for playing video games these days?
2: Um, I started playing some video games a bit more. Like uh, yeah. when Nintendo came out with the Wii U system, I just stopped playing games because Nintendo just like screwed up and dropped the ball so badly that I just wasn't interested. Hmm. So I probably went for like a year without playing a single video game at one point. Um, by the end of me making gaming videos, like I wasn't playing video games much personally. Like I felt trapped into it. Yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> well you probably um, got hit pretty hard with the adpocalypse. Well not even that, but
2: with oh, the, geez, Nintendo my...
0: Nintendo stopped they kind of really clamped down more than the other platforms, didn't they?
2: So I was screwed over both by the Nintendo thing and the apocalypse. I'll do Nintendo first. Nintendo goes and uh, they just start Content ID claiming everyone's videos. And there's an aspect to that that's even more sinister that no one remembers. What they did was they told people, um, we will split the revenue with you if you join uh, Nintendo's personal network. So you could join the Nintendo multi-channel network. And we'll let you monetize your videos, but one of the rules was you cannot say anything bad about a nintendo game (laughs) so they were basically extorting people to get good coverage like and no one ever talks about that and it was so messed up how they were doing it and the other thing is if you fought the claims they'd never sue you they'd always be dropped at the end of the day the video would just be taken down for uh you know 14 days before um they they did nothing and then it would go back up i fought them but it was such a pain in the neck that uh when i saw the opportunity to abandon nintendo content and talk about 4chan and youtubers i i was very quick to do it um but for the apocalypse uh my ad revenue dropped by 75 percent overnight
1: hmm. wow yeah
2: so that that was a very dark time in my life um mm-hmm. and my revenue never recovered like uh 25 of my videos are yellow dollar sign to this very day mm-hmm. uh I don't care though. And honestly, at this point, I kind of like it because uh, it means there's less competition in my space because it's not as easily monetizable. Um, you can't. So, like um, back in the day with my top five and top 10 lists, at a certain point, all these content farm channels came out and started spamming out top five and top 10 lists, and it devalued the entire genre, and my videos started getting less views. Um, Nowadays with like my internet mystery series, since they're so prone to get demonetized and they don't have a high CPM, these businesses and content farms really don't see a reason to get into the, you know, creepy internet space. So I'm kind of left to my own devices and uh, could make content without having to deal with much competition at all.
1: Uh, You've seen quite a few different CPM kind of sections in uh so from video games to um like commentary to a listicle style videos is there something that you know is a good sweet spot as in like it's this is good cpm so almost regardless of the amount like this is a subject which tends to you know do better uh than some of the other subjects or does that not play into anything um
2: out of the stuff i do it's pretty much a, a sa- the same across the board as long as it doesn't get fiddled with by YouTube when I make a video about Bitcoin it gets a higher CPM I know yeah um but I mean on the other end I have videos uh I made a video called the dentist from hell (laughs)
1: yeah
2: let me pull up the. I want to get the exact uh the exact amount of money I made off this video because it blew up got tons of views
1: this is why I love this question about CPMs because it's like people can talk views all they want but the cpm will actually dictate whether you're making two thousand dollars off a video or twenty dollars off of a video if it gets yep. a million views
2: see, see that's the thing though i prefer views over money at this point i get an adrenaline rush i get a dopamine hmm. fix whenever i get like a video spike and get views money to me at this point it's like i, I don't I, I live within my means so uh, yeah. i'm kind of at that diminishing returns point where you know becoming rich isn't really something that uh benefits me uh, so for the dentist from hell video, it got two point, uh, it's almost at 2.7 million views. Um, the revenue I made off this video in its lifetime is $235. Wow.
1: <laughs> oh
2: man. It's like a 10 cent CPM. Or something. That's, oh my God. that's small. That's a negative CPM. That's ridiculous. Yeah. it's <laughs> very, very low. low. So it's like, yeah. you could get a video that has, I Direct, like I mean, indirectly, I got a ton of subscribers and they went and watched my other videos. But directly, I lost money on that video. The cost of me hiring a writer and an editor to help me with that was more than what it made, even though it got two over two and a half million views. So it's uh,
1: and that's why you need to have a content mix. That's why you need to make some of the videos for your subscribers, some of the videos to attract new subscribers, some of the videos to make money, and some of the videos because they're videos that you want to make and you don't care about the money that you make from them.
2: I just get sponsored messages. I just This video yeah. is brought to you by audible.com. <laughs> yeah, do you notice
0: that your watch time drops down, drops off, off on those?
2: I mean, I would say like at this point, like 95, 90% of my videos have a sponsored message of some sort. Right. Um, yeah. And it really is just, uh, um, it's in the middle of, usually it's in the middle of the video, for internet mysteries, it's in the middle. So um, the ad placements here, it drops, and then it just does this. So people just do fast forward, the. Te- 10 seconds ahead 10 seconds ahead nowadays like these everyone knows that those ads are 60 seconds long so you just do one two three four five six and then you get past it (laughs) yeah Um, just
0: double tap them
2: (laughs) but uh yeah that's that's the thing though um i may even if youtube demonetizes it i'm still making money um and i it's hard for anyone to compete with me so let's say another smaller channel wanted to make a series like internet mysteries Um, back in the day, they would say, okay, well, I'm I'm getting a little bit of AdSense money. I'm able to build this up. They have to get to a point where they're getting like 50,000 views per episode before they could like figure out anything about sponsored messages. So um, YouTube demonetizing stuff basically is really hurting the little guy more than anyone else because it means smaller channels can't compete with me. And I'm like one of a very few people that are of a point in their career where they could figure out other ways to monetize and diversify the revenue streams. So that's an unintended consequence of the apocalypse.
1: Do you have people asking you for advice or what would your best piece of advice be for someone getting into this space and wanting to start a channel similar to what you're
2: doing? I mean, there's the basic stuff. Um, you just got to start doing it. Um, I've in my personal life had probably 10 people come to me and said, I'm, I'm going to start a YouTube channel. Do you have advice? Not a single one of them did it. Yeah. It's like, um, make on top of step. that, yeah, it's, it, it's just, you have to do that first step of making content. Um, you can't do it for the money at first. You got to do it because you want to do it. Um, I didn't make a penny off my channel for the first two years. Um, and besides that, you can't uh, sit there and mope and complain that YouTube's screwing you over uh, <laughs> yeah, unless you're making you. conspiracy theory content or something that YouTube's like actively trying to suppress. Um, it comes down to click-through rate and audience retention. Um, so if you're not getting any viewership, it's because people aren't watching you. Um, it's not YouTube's fault. It's your fault. Uh, that's, that's a big problem with a lot of channels. Um, when I see a channel that's like getting less views and then they start blaming the algorithm for it, um, I know they're done because now they're not even taking personal responsibility. Um, and at that point, um, there's not much you could do if you can't look at yourself and say, hey, this is on me to fix. Um, or it's on me to like figure out so I could like become a successful channel. Um, you're, you're dead before you even get going.
0: Well, I, I think with that attitude, you're going to have a long successful career on YouTube, especially the way you keep changing as need be and keep, your channel keeps evolving. You're still getting really good numbers on it. And I enjoy watching it and I always like to kind of stay up to date with the youtube drama without having to really get too deep into the youtube drama <laughs> yeah. i like to i like to see what's what's happening I, I really appreciate that and i appreciate you being on our show with us
2: oh, no problem no thanks for having me it's uh i never skip out an opportunity to talk about youtube it's uh I, even after all these years it's just I'm, I'm still super engaged with it it's just what i'm meant to be doing
0: It's like we were talking before we we went on the air here is that uh, for me, it's just really fun to talk to somebody who's been doing this as long as I have. And it's because you can all relate to those stories when there's so many new people now that don't have
2: that frame of reference and just haven't put in the reps. It's a different mindset nowadays. Like it's it's, it's just it's interesting talking to people and then like you remember just these like random facets of how things work 10 years ago that like just are so foreign nowadays. Uh, You know, back then everyone wanted to be, you know, a big celebrity. And nowadays, younger kids that are getting into YouTube, that's what they want to be. They want to be YouTubers. They don't want to be movie stars. Back in the day, this was just a stepping stone. Now this is the place. This is the end game. Uh, And I find that very interesting. Uh, I think it's like what this is like. If you when you talk to younger people, uh, being a YouTuber is like the the number one dream job. (laughs) I, I believe.
0: So. I can believe that. Yeah. They're, they're just, they're born, you know, with a YouTube channel.
2: <laughs> yeah. Just, they start off with YouTube kids when they're like two years old, watching like Elsa and Spider Man videos, and they at some point graduate onto regular YouTube. It'll be interesting to see how that works, plays out. That's why I have money invested in Google stock because it's like the next generation is basically like their earliest memories are going to be just sitting on their tablet, their mom's tablet, watching YouTube kids. That's true. And uh, it's just going to have an entire generation that knows nothing but YouTube.
0: Hey, well, thanks again for being on our podcast and everybody who's listening. Thank you once again for listening to Chad and Steve have a podcast. We'll see you next time.